Welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. Oh my uh, God. We're starting it right after that. We're we're your hosts. Uh, I'm John. I'm Jamie. And I needed to start this podcast because uh, we are staff members of our friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. But we're also friends, and I think oh, that God. as friends, oftentimes we need to use the people in our lives to get things out of our brain. There's a a social disease that sometimes gets into us when you watch something that you just know you need to share with other people. Like there's, it's, it's a contagion. Is and this milk taste bad to you? This. <laughs> Jamie just infected me with something called mad Heidi, which I will have to like cut our previous conversation. I know this one started fast, but I needed to get on the podcast to talk about <laughs> what I just saw, which was a, it's a movie trailer. It's a movie trailer for mad Heidi for mad Heidi, which if YouTube. you, Adults, this is for you. Kids, stay away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is about a fascist uh, Switzerland? Fascist Switzerland, where they're being taken over by people who were trying to control the means of production of cheese. Because, I mean, that is a commodity in the today's society. Let's face it. We all love cheese. There's no, there's no one single person that's like, ooh, not cheese. Even people who are, like, allergic to cheese, lactose intolerant, I know. They want cheese. They still indulge. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I just needed to to somehow then get on the podcast as soon as possible so I could alleviate my need to share this with other people. <laughs> Speaking of things with sharing sharing things with other people, I have been sharing this podcast more and more with my friends. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. trying to get them a little bit, you know, see, like, what I'm doing. Because as a white guy, I'm required to have a podcast. That's how this works. And so I needed <laughs> to spread it? that out. I believe that's how, how the, the, uh, the rules are at this point. Okay. So I shared it with a friend, and this friend uh, has been going through the back catalog, which I felt really good about. But you know what, Jamie? What? It's really hard to to be addressed with the sins of your past. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what happened? What happened? Uh, so first of all, we got me. a dressing down, because I apparently a few weeks ago made a reference to Taylor Swift and her... Um, situation with needing to re-record things and all of that. Apparently I got it all wrong. Just completely wrong. I'm not going to try and reinforce it on this podcast. I would say... For re-recording all the masters? Yes. Apparently there's so much more to this story that we did not say. Enough that I had to receive a phone call telling me how wrong I was. <laughs> well, but anything we... I think a large part of what we want to do is we want to talk about things and let people go and, and read more into it. And we want to pique their interest. Like... So now everybody's going to go watch Mad Heidi and be like, what the hell? Why was Jamie cackling like that? Yes. And I and I have no doubt that this is going to be a movie recommendation that will haunt you in the future. And and to be fair, the to, reason, be fair. to be fair, the reason why I was cackling so much was I was watching John's face while John was watching the trailer in like this most uh, abject somewhere between abject horror and fascination and disbelief at what he was seeing it i will tell you the thing about this movie that jumped to me right away was casper van dean is in it or dine however you want to pronounce it right which 
he's only really known for one thing. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Yeah. And every single... Well, and marrying a princess. Yes. In he, real life. He, he did do that as well. Good for him. I, good mad props. But Casper Van Dien has been in other things. Yeah. None of them have been as good as Starship Troopers. And that's not saying Starship Troopers <laughs> is great. I'm just saying it is a line in the sand for some people between good movies and bad movies. And it's always fun to see him. And he... Bless him. If there is a Starship Troopers thing and he can be a part of it, he will do the voice. He will always come back for it. Yeah. Sequel after sequel after TV, like animated thing. It's he's always there. So seeing him still get work warms my heart. Um, he's been in a lot more movies than I actually knew about. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I feel like he he doesn't take himself seriously and he's willing to kind of put himself out there as the kind of like a, a Bruce Campbell. As it were, a, a B movie star, or uh, uh, oh, I'm dropping his name. What was the the dude that was in the TV series of Stargate, where they make references to how bad the Stargate TV show is all the way through the whole series? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Completely forget what it I is. I can't think of his name. This he is was great. McGregor. Yeah, that's great podcast contact. But anyway, yeah, no. Uh, okay, so Taylor Swift, the whole thing. Yes, yeah, so you got dressed down because we said something incorrect. I I did, and I okay. It, I was filled in then on the whole entire story, which I highly suggest you go to a more reliable resource than me trying to recollect what somebody was yelling at me about. Okay. It wasn't okay. a full yelling, but definitely she was an unknown Swifty in my life. And so stumbling upon that, uh, I think hurt her heart a little bit. So I'm expecting to have a little bit more of some corrections being thrown at me now that I actually have someone I know that is going through our back catalog. Okay. okay. Uh, and hopefully tell us how wrong we were about some things and predictions and stuff like that. So looking forward to it. Well, we've been doing this for like two years. I it's know. Been, it's been two years of these. Because somebody's like, oh, you guys just started a podcast. And I was like, kind well, of like 50 episodes out there, I yeah. think. Yeah, every two weeks we've been trying. We've had some breaks, we've had some hiatuses, we've had some work. Yeah, um, that needed to be done. But hopefully, you know, we once the new building is finished, uh, hopefully we'll have a more stable location where we can record and maybe do live recordings and really take this up to the next notch. And that's our dream. We're close. We're very close. We're close. Yes, I actually uh, was part of something that happened this week, which was the uh, building of your calyxes as they yes. arrived. Yeah, so uh, this week, lots of stuff happened, right? So Wednesday, um, we started hanging slat wall for, uh, well, slat wall shelves, right? Slat mm -hmm. wall is every store, not every store. A lot of stores have slat wall. You've all seen it before. They're the black boards of Red Raccoon games that hold up all the shelves, just so we know what we're talking about. Um, and so we started hanging slat wall on Wednesday. Um, we were doing pretty good until... So the new construction in the building is all made with wooden two-by-fours. And so we were doing really good hanging on the wooden two-by-fours. However, there's some places where there were existing walls that we didn't take out. And we discovered those walls used metal um, studs on the inside of them Ooh. instead of wood. And we had the wrong kind of screws. And um, we didn't have time to go to Lowe's to buy them. So, so we had to stop that day because... The wood screws we were using punched right through the metal, and then there was nothing to grip onto it. Right. So then now we got, uh, then, then Thursday, we did the collapse building. Friday, um, the point of sale system showed up. Not the point of sale system, the cash wrap mm -hmm. showed up on Friday. I don't know if you saw it or not. I did not. Okay. It's pretty. It's good. For the price that it cost me. It better be. It better be good. Yeah. Uh, because... We got multiple quotes and all these different designs all over the place. 
um, on, on how to build the cash wrap to make it look good and make it look as nice as the rest of the store. And the quotes were everywhere. Hmm. And with the highest quote I got was 42000 Um The one I ended up going with was um, much cheaper. I think it was 13000 and 3000 of that was shipping to get it here. Um, but it was a company that makes display cabinets for stores all over the U.S. They're based in Oregon. And so we were able to buy a couple of in-stock pieces they had, which was much, much cheaper. And then we had to do a custom curve piece to make the curve work, right, in, in the space we had. So that was way cheaper than having the entire thing made custom. Um, so that was Friday. So bam, 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 three days in a row, lots of stuff going on. Um, and I am currently... After we're done with this podcast, well, after we're done with this podcast, I'm going to work the concession stands at the arena because the Bloomington High School's graduation is tonight, and my wife has roped me into working the concession stands. But then after that, I'm going back to the store because I am like 75% done with the data cabling. Yeah. The cabling's been pulled, but now i got to put all the ends on it. And anybody that's pulled a lot of cabling knows that putting the ends on it is definitely the hardest part of, it's just the most, it's not hard, it's just time consuming. So I'm putting, but I did find a cool new tool. Did I tell you about this? You've told me about this twice, Jamie. I'm very excited about it. You are so excited about it. I'm very excited about it. So I'm using a Keystone Jack, and I found this company that makes a compression tool that, um, you know, when you use it, there's eight wires in an Ethernet cable, and you you have to get them in the correct order um, in order for the, the cable to work correctly. And this tool punches all eight down at the same time versus having to do them one at a time with a traditional um, impact tool. Um, and, and this compression tool is saving me so much time. The fact that it cuts, it crimps them, it punches all eight down and it uh, cuts them at the proper length. And then, yeah, it's, it's saving me a ton of time. I feel like our Venn diagram of audience members that care about the podcast and audience members that will care about this crimping tool is actually a little bit bigger than you might expect. I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's not zero. I can yeah. tell you that there's one person on the podcast like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's actually really cool. I'll I mean, it was up. like 40 bucks for the tool, but if anybody, if you need to, you, and you have to use their keystone um, jacks, but their keystone jacks were the same price as everybody else's. And if they're still certified to be cat six keystone jacks, what do I care? And this tool has saved, it probably is saving me, Five minutes on every end I have to put on, maybe more. So the, it's this worth is, it to me. It's this is your building update, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's worth it to me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so and, and so the current plan for any of you who haven't seen it because I did put it out on a Patreon video, and I did put it out on um, an email that went out for this weekend. Uh, we are planning on closing the store on June the fifth. So that's uh, seven days from now. Correct. We're planning on closing the store on June 5th and then uh, going like hell, moving everything as fast as we possibly can, and then reopening the store. Our hope for day is June the 9th. So that's the current plan. We don't know if we're going to get there or not. We're going to do everything in our power to try to do it because there's a lot of stuff that's got to move. Anybody who's listening to this probably already knows this anyway, but on June 6th in the evening, um, we are planning on uh, asking for volunteers to come and help move the actual games. We're going to move all the furniture and all of the fixtures and everything and get them all in place on the 5th and the morning of the 6th. In the early or late afternoon, early evening of the 6th, we're planning on putting out a call. Kelly will put out a sign-up genius to say anybody who is willing to come and help us 
there's 27,000 games currently in the inventory that have got to get moved from one building to the other building. So, um, yeah, uh, in my perfect world, we would get like 60 people, 70 people, and then nobody even moves. We do like a fireman's uh, bucket brigade where you just stand in one place and take one or two games and pass it to the next, and you, you just stand there and pivot back and forth and just pass games. And we go out one door, up the sidewalk, and in the other door. That's my perfect world. We'll see how many people show up. It's great core training, let me tell you. It is, yeah. Like you can be twisting constant a lot. twist. Yep, that's good. Most that's of good the games you. are pretty light, but it'll be really serious core training. We get to something like the Frost Haven or the uh, Assassin's Creed board game. Those are both pretty hefty. Or the new, well, the new Castle Panic Deluxe that just showed up to the oh, store. We'll get into that. Did you see the side yep, of that box? I did. What's going to be in the new hotness conversation there at the end of this podcast? <laughs> that's, it's, uh, that is a new record. Well, it's a, it's. I think it's pretty close to the record for ogre, that ogre oh, box yes. we have that you will always see almost on top of the new hotness all the time. Yeah, which one's the bigger box? Because one of the two is the biggest board game box that's ever been created. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I will say that from what you've told me, ogre is kind of a legendary game because as soon as someone does end up buying one, another magically appears somehow. Correct. No, that's the last one. Oh, that is the last that's one. That's the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, we don't have any more. Okay. We had a small stash of them. Um, yeah, Ogre was, that's the, what we're talking about is if you go into the store and you look up at the new hotness rack, on the top corner of it, there's a box sitting up there. It's the Kickstarter 25th anniversary edition of Ogre, and they reprinted everything that has ever been made for Ogre into a single box. And it has every army unit and every ogre tank and, and everything they've ever made in this one massive box. And it's legit 35 to 40 pounds of cardboard in that box. And uh, yeah, because it's crazy. And the funny thing is, is so that's that's a Kickstarter that Ken backed. And then they Steve Jackson Games printed a ton of it. And then it didn't sell very well, and they had a ton of it left over, so they clearanced it out. You know, at this point, um, twelve years ago, I think it was thirteen years ago, and so Ken bought a ton of this on clearance. When I bought the store from Ken, I'm like, these all can't stay here. This is a game that you're not selling very fast. They can't stay here, so he took them back and put them in his garage. After I bought the store from him, he had ninety six copies of it. And slowly over time, he has sold those 96 copies. And now, of course, it's a crazy collector's item. Yep. And nobody had them but Ken for like the last five or six years. To the point where Steve Jackson Games actually reached out to him because they realized they didn't keep a copy for themselves to put in their library of here's all the stuff (laughs) we've created over the years. And so they bought a copy back from Ken, of course, at crazy inflated rates of collectible pricing. Because they forgot to keep one, and they knew Ken had them. I have to say that is that is going to be sad when that sells because it has been a staple in the store since I've been there. It, yeah, it is you know beholder head above the door, mounted heads of the dragons and the uh, the Elder. Mind, yes, and yeah. the mind flare and the mind flare. It's just those are those are always just standard things. I always think of being in the store and thinking about that last ogre box going away. It's a little yeah. heartbreaking. 
uh, only a few people have ever really seriously looked at it because it's like it's 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 one of those games that's kind of a nostalgia play, you know, because mm-hmm. Ogre came out and it was a pamphlet game where you had to cut out your own pieces or use Hot Wheels or some other minis that you had at home, one of those games. And it was the $3.95 when it came out. And then now this is this crazy monstrosity of a board game that they've made. It's massive. It's Although just, the fact, I think it's it's only 300 bucks, and, and in the scale of like some of the crazy board games that have been coming out, $300 is not a ridiculous price anymore. No. You know, we've got... The Marvel Zombicide with Galactus Pledge, that that if you bought everything, that was $780. I mean, you get a 33-inch statue of Galactus that is simply amazing. It's beautiful. Um, but uh, but that was not a small chunk of change. And so, no. And nowadays, I mean, I mean, technically, I'm guessing, based on the sale that you had, is it still going, you know, going on until you move? It's going on through the end of today. Oh, okay. Well... Yeah. I'm guessing that the sticker on that was probably before 2021. That's probably on there. They, I don't think anybody remembers it's up there. Yeah, as I was say, someone could have gotten a really good discount on that. Yeah, they really could have. I don't know if anybody knows it's up there. Well, I'll, just, I'll have to see when I go to the store to see if anybody saw it. Yeah, I've only seen one sold. And I really thought that was the last one. And then it magically reappeared. And that's when I asked you about it. As far it, so. as I know, this is the last one. Because gotcha. I bought five of them from Ken out of the 96 when I bought the store. I kept five of them. And then um, I think this is the last one of those. So it doesn't sell fast. Right. It's, I mostly have was okay with keeping it there because it's really cool. It it's, is. The story yeah. and everything behind it and the history of it and stuff is kind of fun. So board games that are at the store, that's great. Let's talk about some board games that you've gotten on the table lately, which, as I've as usual, think you've been pretty busy. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. I was like, have I played anything since... So the last time we did a podcast, I played a bunch of games of Rainbow Bunny Bop. I think we talked about that last podcast. We have. It's it's your contender for goat cheese llama pizza or whatever your game <laughs> Taco is. Taco Cat like. goat cheese pizza. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> goat cheese llama pizza. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay. Um, so I played a bunch of that because I've been teaching people how to play that. Um, I've been trying to take get time to read the rules for Shatterpoint, Star Wars Shatterpoint, because... Um, we opened, we got a demo copy for the store and Dwayne painted it up and it looks stunning. gorgeous. Stunning. Yes. I, that has been one of probably, I, I actually worked the store yesterday and there were many people that were interested in it and yeah. I could tell that it was heartbreaking for them to, um, find out it wasn't pre-painted. Exactly. And then yeah. that they would have to do it. Cause I think a lot of people were very interested. That is the sound of the second Mountain Dew. Jamie is drinking during the podcast. Did it come through us? Uh, no, it didn't. I'm sure it didn't, but I just think I feel like we need to note that from now on. <laughs> it's a monument. It's it's when you know we're getting to the serious business of the podcast when the yeah. second Mountain Dew pops. Yeah. Um. But no, I I was heartbreaking to see those people like drop their face and be like, oh well, I don't really paint many, so I guess this isn't for me. And you know, I took that opportunity to say, well, we could teach you. We have a you know great. A painting class that we teach, mm-hmm. you know, on a monthly basis. Jessica and does that. She does an amazing job. She does so good. I, I saw her space hamster that she just did a few uh, weeks back, and yeah. that was gorgeous. Um, and then also, you know, painting right now is is getting easier all the time. Like, there's a lot of great tools. There's a lot of great paint, like the speed paints that came from Army Painter. Yeah, uh, that give you some options. Did, we talk, I, did I tell you that I, they they're releasing new speed paints, and I bought a whole rack of them. No, just, we're just waiting on it to get delivered. Fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, 
because when the speed paints originally released, I think there was only what 16 colors or something like that. I think the big box had around there, yeah. Yeah, and then they released a they then they put out a box of speed paints 2.0 with more colors in that box, but people are like, I don't want to buy all of them because I already have the first wave and I don't want to rebuy all those. Um, so they're putting out a rack that is about half the size of the regular army painter rack and it will be just speed paints in it. That's perfect. Especially yeah. with you going to the new store. Cause right now the paint section is a little snug next to the game rental. It so. is. It is. Yeah. And it's, but I'm looking forward to that. And we're trying to also, the other one that everybody wants and we're trying to get on the list for is monument paints. And uh, a lot of the guys, especially like our Wednesday group where they, they play um, just a ton of different minis games. You know, they bounce back and forth between Marvel Crisis Protocol. They were playing Guild Ball, which is kind of a dead game, but a lot of them already have the pieces for it. Um, you know, uh, some uh, Warhammer Underworlds and stuff. They're yep. bouncing around. And their new combination is to use speed paints to put all the basing on and use monument paints for all the highlights and everything to add on top of it. That makes so much sense. I will say speed paints work so well for, I think, anything that's not really flesh tone at this point. Yeah. Um, but you just have to get used to that they're a little bit more inky than the paints that you're used to. Uh, so you kind of have to let it spread instead of spreading it yourself. Yeah, because um, it's designed so that it flows into the cracks and when it gathers together, it gets darker and makes its own shadows and shades exactly kind of a kind of a better version or what a lot of people would say is a better version of the citadel contrast paints yes i've heard that multiple times so i think those are the only two things i've gotten just a lot of games of rainbow bunny bop and um and then trying to learn and and learn the rules for shatterpoint have you been got anything on the table so I, I had a friend come in yesterday and we played a few games that they brought, but really the only thing that's been on my table that I've been really curious about was The Witcher arrived at my doorstep, which as we're recording is technically sitting on the table that we're recording at. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is a big chonky. boy. It is a chonky boy. I did get the set where basically I'll be able to have like one big box. So I'm excited about that. It gave instructions on how to stack that properly. So it all merge into a single box into a single of, box. Yes. Okay, Cause there's two pretty good sized boxes on the table right now. It is. But the, the rule book seems pretty straightforward. It's very much a, you're traveling areas, fighting monsters. You're trying to get as many trophies. The person who gets them, uh, the first to a certain amount of trophies wins the game. Uh, but there are story elements to it that can put you on the hunt for specific creatures. Uh, there's potions that come into play. There's an upgrading and leveling up system that's there. So I think that it's going to be good. I just haven't actually gotten to crack it open yet. But I'm getting a good feeling, and hopefully next time we record, I'll be able to say, this is what I've learned. Okay, that's cool. Um, so yeah, I plan on hitting that. Sometimes life gets busy. It comes yeah. at you fast, right? Yeah, let's get messy with it. That's, that's what life is for. So um, with that being said... Let's talk about some actual games that are going to catch our eye a little bit. And I'm saying this as my uh, iPad is not being helpful in looking up the news articles I wanted to have. The first one I wanted to talk about, though, was kind of a... Speaking of zombies, you were saying earlier, a blast from a dead game has returned. And that is in the form of Metal Gear Solid, the board game. Now... A few years ago, Metal Gear Solid was supposed to come out. There was a Kickstarter. It was fully funded and then was delayed and then delayed again and then delayed again until finally it just came out that it was not going to be able to be produced and the Kickstarter was canceled. Yeah. Did you find any backstories of what happened there? Was it an IP issue or 
I mean, I had heard it was canceled, but I never saw what the backstory was of why it was canceled. I don't think they ever truly came out with a full, solid answer. I think that they just blamed production at this point. Okay. Um, but the interesting thing is that the game, in its entirety, uh, as it was planned out for its original release, has been picked up by Simon. Right. And is going to be produced. So the same model structure, the same board layouts, everything is going to just... They bought all of the work that was done and is now going to be produced under the CMON catalog. Well, it was originally put out by IDW was Correct. going to make it. And IDW did... I think maybe... Did they shut down their games division? I think they maybe did. we talked about that because... Like, the last game that made it out was the Batman the Animated Series game. Which looked fantastic. Yeah, but. We, had, we had some at the store, and they didn't last very long, as you would expect, because I didn't go crazy on them, because there was another game where there was, like, nine boxes, and it was yep. 500 bucks, and and so I only got a few of them, and they sure was, they got snapped up pretty, pretty fast. So, IDW's closure, I think, was, like, basically, they were not prepared for the production, from what I understood, which would then fall in line with what the... Uh, original cancellation was brought about by however what i find interesting about this article that came from uh, my ipad is really being fidgety today uh that really came from dicebreaker.com is that it's just a large company seeing a good idea and willing to scoop it up and then make it happen and if that becomes a trend that we see in the failed kickstarter area I'm wondering how much of an adjustment that will be if it will become more of a we're wanting to just get our name out there, our game out there. We don't really care if we fund or not. We're just hoping that maybe another larger company like Asmodee or something along those lines will pick us up and create the game for us. Uh, I hope it doesn't. I didn't think about it that way. I hope that's not what we're going to see because, you know, we've seen um, in the last couple months, I think like four or five companies that were Kickstarter only companies who have folded and aren't going to fulfill some of their projects. And so, um, I really hope that's not the direction that we're going to go. Cause that's, that'd be kind of like some of the web apps that are, that hit the internet, right? Exactly. They don't actually have a fully fledged plan other than to be acquired. They want to sell out as soon as possible. Yeah, and hopefully get somebody big to buy them, right? And I I hope that that's not what happened. I hadn't thought about it that way. It was just a, a concept that had come to my head thinking, you know, many, many of these companies that we've seen produce such great ideas, but it's their first foray into the world of production and the world of having to work with overseas um, investors, working with artists that are, you know, uh, worth their salt. So I think for many people that could become a lucrative kind of way to get their game produced and using Kickstarter more as a marketing tool than necessarily an actual production tool. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, I know there's a bunch of people who are really mad about some of the cancellations that have happened too. And, you know, for the store, I've gotten pretty lucky. I think there's only four games in nine years that I've four Kickstarters in nine years that I backed that haven't um, produced. So did you get refunds in those cases or is that just lost? None of them. Yeah. Not none of them. I got any kind of uh, refund at all. So that kind of stinks, but you know, given the fact that the, we've backed over 450 projects for the store, you know, four is not bad. Yeah. I'll take that ratio. That's a good one. You, you obviously have some sense about which games are going to pop off or not. 
Speaking of games that were popping off, I showed you one that I wanted to talk about a little bit, and that is The Last Spell. Uh, It's currently on Kickstarter. Uh, It has been fully backed. There's still 18 days to go as of the time of this recording. Uh, It looks interesting. We've talked a little bit about it during the podcast, but what really called me out is the connection that it has. It is a co-op, roguelike, RPG board game with a tower defense twist. And I That's don't a lot know of buzzwords, Yes, man. I so don't know <laughs> I don't know how many other game genres you can fit into that sentence. That Did you say RPG? Sense. Yes. Okay, a, a tower defense twist on co-op RPG. So, that's where I think it gets a little bit funky as there this is based on a video game, first mm-hmm. of all. So, I don't know if they're using the term RPG the same way we are or not because okay. in a RPG can be very different in a video game than it is for well, somebody that's, that's with tabletop. You level up and maybe they're calling it RPG because you have level up and spell progression and equipment and stuff like that. Exactly. Although you do have that in this game. As we were looking at it, we did discover that you know there's scenarios that you're backing. You are basically defending a small town, but you can invest in that town to build shops that then allow you to buy items and weapons and things along those lines. So there is those elements that we've seen in RPGs before. Uh, it just doesn't feel like it's a long-form game. And plus, from what you were saying, it looks like there's also scenarios as well. So I don't know yeah. if if the term RPG fits in, in the aspect of board gaming. Would you consider, I guess, would you consider Gloomhaven an RPG? Um, yeah, it's kind of a... I don't, I don't think I would call it an RPG, but I would call it a legacy game. In the fact that decisions and choices that you make affect all future games, but it does. It Gloomhaven definitely has some RPG aspects to it, right? Right. In the fact that your characters level up and get better over time, it it really takes out the role playing aspect of RPGs. And Gloomhaven is really mostly, to me the the fighting the combat the action parts of it but it leaves out everything else which is interesting because the rpg stands for role-playing game right but so often i think that term gets used around to do exactly what you're talking about the leveling up system the attack management system things along those lines Mm -hmm. and very rarely actually focuses on are you really playing a role in the game or are you just playing in a character that you're moving around is there a story being told at all right you know, and some of the games too, like uh, you know, uh, Gloomhaven gives you the scenario. They tell you the story, but you can't really interact with the story necessarily. Exactly. So it's almost uh, more of like a. It feels more like a choose your own adventure, where there you get you get a limited set of choices, but you can't stray off of that series of choices in Gloomhaven. And and in this game, in in uh, the last spell the same thing right you but it doesn't look like you really get choices when you're leveling up it's just your character has now got enough xp and this new feature unlocks exactly you move from this class to this class and you get better abilities but it's not like you had choices to make of which direction you wanted that to go um you know other games like uh what was that game? Um, Adventure Tactics, I think was the name of it. Yes, one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, and it had more choices because when you leveled up, then you could take different classes and go down different paths when that happened. 
Um, so you weren't always the wizard. You could be like, you know what? I'm tired of almost dying every time I turn around. I'm going to take a couple of as a fighter in here as well to get some more hit points or something. Or as a fighter, you know, I mean, maybe you're like, I, I want some options for ranged combat. So I'll take some levels of archer or stuff like that. Um, this one is more you leveled up, you got enough points, and therefore you get to do this new feature. Yep. So it's, I don't know, it's a, it's like that, it, and you see that all the time in video games, right? Exactly. Everyone's trying to create these hybrid experiences that can give you, in a way, more game for your buck. Yeah. It way. still looks interesting because I do love tower defense video games. I play them mm-hmm. all the time. So the fact that they're trying to incorporate the tower defense aspect into a board game, which the only game I can think of that did that pretty well was, um, God, what was that, Shovel Knight? Yes. Where the, they came down the path and you had to build all the stuff on the way. Was that? No, that oh, wait, no, that was Shovel Knight. Sorry. I that thought was, you. Uh, what was that game? Brittany loved that game. Brittany Cody played it all the time and we they did a second Kickstarter that we backed too. But the guys come down a path and you literally are building the towers along the path and trying to stop them. And if they reach the end, then then you lose. Uh, it is in the hallway right now. I literally could run and go second. Uh, <laughs> it was a massive box. Yes, it was huge. And you actually even got more add-ons that gave you better towers and yeah. things like that. Uh, Shovel Knight was, again, kind of a weird hybrid because it was a board game, but it's side-scrolling. So you're continually getting path uh tiles being laid in front and path taken away after you passed a certain point um another Kingdom rush there it is it was Thank based you. on a video game also exactly i think that we've seen a lot of these really cool hybrid games coming out lately though that i, I know you've enjoyed like clank catacombs is yeah we still have that roguelike element but at the same time now it's adding a tile lane love that feature love it uh another game you love is dune which is a resource management and uh deck, deck builder, builder. Yep. Which you've enjoyed. And uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yes. Also resource management deck builder game as well. So so yeah, those are those have been some of my favorite games of the last few years that have come out. I will say though, we've those normally maybe skew two, maybe like three buzzwords at a time. What I'm seeing in the last spell was just like five, six, seven, it felt like just <laughs> all the words they could throw into one phrase. And so I'm, I'll be interested to see how that looks and uh, what they actually are able to produce in the end The minis product. have a pretty unique aesthetic. I didn't like them at first, but I really kind of started focusing in on the faces of the skeletons and the way they portrayed the skulls and stuff. And I kind of I kind of dig it. Yeah. There's a guy um, I know. His name is Josh, Pe- Josh Petrick. And he's got a store in Florida. Um, and uh, he, every time there's a... He's a very, very big magic store. And every time there's a new magic set out, he has an artist that creates these amazing skulls. Um, he has like this whole cast of characters that represent his store. And the, his main mascot is a skeleton. And so his logo is a skeleton skull that somehow manages to take a skull and make it kind of feel happy and campy. Um, and not really kind of a horrifying, like, that's a dead person skull, right? Right. Um, you know, and... Uh, I've actually used his mascot and logo in my branding presentations at, at, at uh, uh, various shows. And so this, the way these skeletons are kind of designed with kind of almost a little bit of a campy feel to them really kind of reminds me of his logo. Interesting. So, yeah, if you get a chance, again, it's the last spell that's listed on uh, Kickstarter.com right now. We are going to try to – I sent them an email to see if we could get that for the store. Um 
you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. It, it all depends um, if they have the ability to make it. So, you know, I can't bring stuff into the store if the store can't at least make some money on them for the labor it takes and everything that goes involved to backing Kickstarters and, and displaying them. So this is, I did reach out to them because, you know, if nothing else, even if the game is horrible, these minis will be great additions to my collection of minis for fair. playing fair, other fair. games with, right? Yeah, they they would make great skeletons for just any regular D&D campaign. And, it looks and like... I totally bought other board games just to get the minis out of them. Have you ever done that? Uh, I, have... I didn't care about the game so much, I just wanted the minis. I'm not so flesh that I can just go around buying board games for minis, Jamie. But uh, <laughs> no, there's definitely ones that I, I've gotten on the table after buying. I'm like, oh... Well, this is disappointing. Well, we the gameplay, we, but we brought in the original adventure tactics specifically to get the minis out of the box, and then it turned out to be a really good game at the same time. It is a really good game. There is a a narrative loop, however, if you play through a certain scenario, it loops you around over and over again, and you can't get out of it. Like you have to. I think online they figured out what the solution is supposed to be. But, okay. Um, but, I haven't played enough of it, apparently. Yes, but the actual like mechanics of it. Adventure Tactics is great. If you loved Final Fantasy Tactics, it gives you that same vibe and feel. It's perfect. Nice. Um, speaking of things that are transcending genres, like Final Fantasy and what we were just talking about, The Last Spell itself being a video game, um, I did want to talk about one other game that's kind of breaking its genre as well, and that is that Netflix is going to create a movie adaptation to the Werewolves of Miller's Hollow social deduction game. This is such a crazy story. Because, and it is, you've actually made it more crazy before I even brought it up. Because when I first read this, uh, this comes from comicbook.com, uh, it said Netflix announces movie ad- adaptation of Werewolf social deduction game. And immediately I thought of my favorite uh, social deduction game, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, or Ultimate Werewolf. Right. And but you told me that there's a a deeper level to this that I didn't realize. Well, they're two different companies, right? Right. So Werewolves and Miller Hollow has never sold as well at the store. Bezier makes the one you're thinking of, which is um, the it's just called Ultimate Werewolf or One Night Ultimate Werewolf or we just got in One Week Ultimate Werewolf, which yes. kind of there's some merging and blending of their other Bezier's other big property, which is Castles of Mad King Ludwig. So there's kind of some, they're blending their stuff going on their side. But Werewolves of Miller Hollow never sold as well because um, it's such a tiny package. It's such a tiny box that it always fell over and got hidden behind other stuff. It was actually great in the fact that it was so small you could stick it in your pocket and take it with you somewhere. Or like go to a friend's house or play some games or go into a con. You've got it in your bag or something. That part of it was fabulous. But the packaging was so small, it would get lost, and it would, you just wouldn't find it at the store because it, it, you know, it was really easy to tip over, and then it's laying flat on a shelf where you couldn't see it, and then other games would get end up sliding kind of halfway in front of it, and it'd just be lost back there behind everything. So, it's interesting to me that this is the version of Werewolf that they're choosing to bring forward versus. Mm-hmm. You know, Bezier's One Night uh, Ultimate Werewolf is by far and away the most popular version of Werewolf. So, I also want to know. I mean, I guess you can have a. I guess I can think of if you're going to make a movie that somebody in your town is the werewolf and you're trying to figure out who it is. And you, right. I mean, that's a that's a story that's been done a bunch of times. Who's the werewolf and what's going on? And I think that was actually one that was 
that exact scenario was a movie that was made, I think, last year sometime by the, oh, I forgot her name, Van Trubb. She's the uh, the actress, Milena Van Trubb. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have prepared for this. Let me look her up. She is... Is it's you? Are you talking about the one? No, I'm. I'm thinking of that movie that was a. It was another Swedish movie from Norway, The Troll. It's no. This is uh, Melania Van Trubb. She is the spokesperson for the cell phone company and does all of their commercials for AT and T. There we go. She's the AT and T girl. Oh. Um, and she. Was, I know who she is. Yes, though. they did a movie in 2021 called Werewolves Within, and it very much gave me that kind of vibe and feel of what one night ultimate werewolf was was there's a werewolf in town she plays uh i believe a post office worker and she works with a cop trying to figure out who's the werewolf in town and so i, I wonder how they're gonna do the the, the voting part that's gonna be because that's a big part of all the games right mafia werewolf whatever version you're working with is the voting somebody to say we think this is the werewolf part that's a huge part of it and so i guess what yeah, you would have to include that to really separate it from a werewolf movie, I would assume. I wouldn't think that there's, there's a lot of lore from this werewolf game that can be, you know, pulled in for the storyline. If you had told me, hey, we're making Frosthaven, I think there's a ton of lore that you can pull from that. If you told me that you were doing so many games that actually have a little bit of a backstory to them, I think that easily transfers to the screen. But Having this be one that Netflix is choosing just feels like an odd choice. And there's another uh, board game movie coming out for Terraforming Mars, which is all about resource management and just trying to make Mars habitable. And it's supposed to be kind of in the vein of The Martian. But again, it's not like there's a lot of backstory. It's just that's what you're doing in the game. Yeah, there's not a lot of story in that game yeah. necessarily. I mean, you're a corporation and you're trying to terraform Mars and get the most points to win the game. Exactly. And you build some cool buildings and stuff, but I don't know there's a lot of story there. And I don't think grabbing the name Terraforming Mars is really setting your IP apart, if that makes sense. there's Using yeah. the board game title is not going to get you more fans. Right. So it was just an interesting choice that I wanted so to So I did learn something in this article, though, is I didn't know that... Uh, Werewolves of Miller Hollow was actually put up for Spiel des Jahres when it originally released. Oh, really? The original French version was uh, Le Lucaru de. I have no idea how to say Thierrysalux. I've probably completely butchered that. I knew Loop Guru is, of course, just I knew that's a that's another name for you know a cryptid name for werewolves or shape changers. Um, so I've heard of Loop Guru before, but I can't pronounce the rest of this it's french and there's probably letters you pronounce and letters you entire phrases you don't pronounce in that but it was up for it was up for spiel dr as it just didn't win interesting so, yeah and i know i just think this is a, a an interesting one is it just another werewolf movie or is it going to do something really cool only time will tell but if you need something to play in the meantime before that game comes out you can head over to red raccoon and check out what's in the new hotness which actually has a werewolf game in it. We were just talking about it. Uh, One Week Ultimate Werewolf. Yeah. Which I, I was looking at the back of the box. I haven't opened it up or anything, but I love One Week Ultimate Werewolf. For those of you that don't know, it's just a game where, like Mafia, like Ultimate Werewolf, you are trying to suss out in a group of your friends who is the werewolf, who is the traitor. 
but with Ultimate Werewolf, you normally have to have a narrator. Same with Mafia, who's kind of directing the action and, and making the calls. Uh, one Night Ultimate Werewolf only lasts one round, and you don't have to have a narrator for it. Because it uses an app. Exactly. So it is a fast game. It is a fun game. It is so much better for parties where people don't want to be as intense. And again, this is for our 21 and older fans. Uh, I've seen it used as a great drinking game because the losing team has to take a shot or something along those lines. Okay. Uh, And then that makes for some very fun people trying to lie about what their role is or trying to figure out who is who uh, after a few losses. So nice. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's interesting. In this uh, this is one week werewolf, ultimate werewolf, where it it takes that same thing, but now you play, of course, over the course of multiple days, and you're like you're in the castle, Mad King Ludwig, and each time, each day, you move to a different room, and there's the rooms have powers too. I, I, I we're gonna have to get a copy of this as a demo and check it out, John, because I want to know how the rooms really affect the game. That should be interesting, and it sounds like there's gonna be multiple rounds where you can switch, be switching cards. You can be um, investigating other people depending on what rooms you visit, and so I want to know is it is it that you're chasing being a werewolf? Is is there gonna be rolls upon rolls almost? So I'll be interested to see. Um, another game that kind of caught my eye was Thunder Road, which going back to what we were talking about Thunder, with Thunder. That's what, what, every time I hear somebody says, that's what I hear in my head, right? It's an ACDC <laughs> song. I'm always going to be Thundercats. And Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats. Oh. So Thunder Road is a post-apocalyptic racing game that yes. kind of follows that same side-scrolling mechanic I was just talking about for uh, Shovel Knight. Where as you're continuing on, you have to keep up a certain speed because tiles are being taken away and tiles are being placed in front of you. Uh, But your car is not just racing. It also has guns. You can call in uh, helicopter attacks. You have to keep – I think that you have to keep management of like what gas you're picking up and things along those lines. It's it's, – this is Mad Max – Slash Mad Max Fury Road, more specifically. That's probably a better comparison. Slash like Death Race or Death Race Two Thousand. Yes. You ever see that? The, oh, the love it. Stallone. Sylvester Stallone yeah. and Jack uh, like Carradine, Stallone. David Carradine. It was one of Stallone's first movies. Carradine's the actual star. Stallone, Stallone is like a he's a bad he's, guy. Yeah, he's a throwaway bad guy character. Yeah. You know. Um. So it's it's all of those movies are wrapped into kind of this this side scrolling board game and, um. Yeah, it looks fun. Uh, it's on my list of games to play. We did have the Maximum Chrome Edition, which was like the Kickstarter version that added in um, tons of stuff. Like the fifth player drove like the killer the killer semi that could just plow other cars right off the road. And then there was like a motorcycle gang and, and all these expansions and everything through there. And uh, we got bought out overnight one night because... Uh, all over the United States, and I, one of the guys, we, our system had a glitch and accidentally oversold by one too many copies, so I had to call the last guy who, who placed an order and just say, hey, man, I'm sorry. We got bought out last night. I don't know what happened, um, but we ran out, and uh, he said somebody posted on Board Game Geeks forums that we had it in stock, and bam, we were sold out that fast. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we have the regular retail release of it. We're just out of the, the the cool Kickstarter version. So, yeah, but it's still, even the regular retail release is on, is on my list of games to play because it looks so fun. There's a ton of tiles in there as you move them along, and there's different obstacles on the tiles. So it's like, 
you know, I love playing Formula D. Formula D. Yep. Um, and it looks kind of a little bit like Formula D or what's the other racing game where you downforce play? downforce and you you the way you move your cars on the the tiles and stuff with the as you're going along. It kind of reminds me of that from a movement. But your competitors can't beat you in the race if you blow their car up. Exactly. Really what racing needs nowadays. Yeah. More guns. More guns. That's the American way. Uh, <laughs> speaking of games with a ton of expansions, let's talk about the Castle Panic Deluxe Edition, which is a monster on the new hotness. It is huge. Well, there's there's the Deluxe Edition, and then there's the Deluxe Edition Collection. Yes. And so, like I said, we were talking about earlier, this might be the biggest board game box ever um it's not it's close because it's it's a lot thicker and deeper than than ogre is um castle panic of course beloved co-op game definitely a starter kind of gateway game um that the base game is really pretty easy and we recommend it on a regular basis for folks who um have maybe siblings that fight and they can't get along. There are there's a ton of people that love co-op games. They don't yeah. want the conflict, right? And so it's a it's a tower defense game. You just get one tower, and the monsters are coming in from the outside randomly, um, and then you're trying to stop the monsters from breaking down the castle walls. And but you know, and then there's a bunch of expansions for it. This is a Kickstarter from a couple years ago where they said, you know what, the base game only had these. Um, little cardboard tokens and little cardboard castle and everything. And it was super cool. But how do you guys feel about if we make a real castle with real plastic castle walls and a real detailed wizard's tower and to make the monsters have all this, these cool minis for the monsters and stuff. And everyone wadded up all their cash and just threw it at them. <laughs> they did because, you know, like I said, the base game is really, really simple. And you can beat it pretty much every time. But when you put some of the expansions onto the game, like the Dark, the, the dark Titan, mm-hmm. it gets really hard. And it's yeah. actually a really significant challenge to win the game. But then you add on the Wizard's Tower expansion. The Wizard's Tower expansion, you know, gives you extra magical powers to, as well as your traditional characters as well. Um, then you add on the siege expansion, and now the monsters have like uh, siege weapons. They have crossbows yeah, and crossbows and ballistas and um, uh, catapults mm-hmm. that they're trying to attack you with. So it, it's it's actually a really interesting strategy game when you get all the expansions. And so we have the deluxe edition of the base game with the premium components. We have the deluxe edition of the wizard's tower. We have the deluxe edition of the new expansion, Crowns and Quests, which now gives you more of a storyline to play through as well. And then we have the deluxe collection, which has all of those, plus the deluxe edition of Dark Towers and the deluxe editions of the the Siege Weapons expansion. In this massive box, oh, actually, I made a video we're going to put on TikTok of like the game store workout of mm-hmm. I was trying to do overhead presses and curls with that box because it's so big. Hopefully, the Eye of the Tiger will be the music that you choose for that. Just, oh, I didn't think of that. Just throwing that out there. I'm totally. If I can yeah. find that, I'm going to use that one. I'm sure it's there. Yeah. Um, in the RPG realm, uh, there's a new book that you have on the new hotness called 40 Fiends, and it's for an RPG that I keep on seeing at least more at our store and more conversation about called Morkborg. Yes. Which is Morkborg, excuse me. Morkborg. Which, even though it sounds like I'm the Swedish chef trying to pronounce it, is more like what if D&D was designed. Morkborg. Yes. Uh, it looks like what if an edgy teenager did all the art for Dungeons and Dragons. 
uh, in his sketchbook. And it's kind of that. it's kind of intense, but many people are saying that it it's is kind of dark, kind yeah. of twisted, kind of gives me some Donnie Darko vibes and yeah. Some heavy metal album covers from the 80s. Exactly. And so a lot of people are seeing it as a good alternative, actually, gameplay-wise, yeah. for uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And I know that they just came out with a space version, basically, as well. That Cyborg. Looks really good. Cyborg. Pirate Borg is out. Yep. So it's something that uh, this 40 Fiends is just basically a monster manual for it. That gives did you, you look through it? Uh, no, I, I didn't actually. Oh, wait. I I glanced through it just before it my shift started. Late night, uh, late night Reddit posts or late night imager posts kind of vibes of super creepy pasta type stuff going on. In oh, there. excellent! Because that's yeah. what you need—more nightmares in this world. Yes. Speaking of nightmares in this world, you also have Stranger Things: The Upside Down uh-huh. uh, by Simon. It's supposed to be taking place during the first two seasons of the show, and yeah. you are the characters basically running around town trying to take care of the uh, demigorgon and the demidogs. I think is what they're referred to as. Yep. So that looked like a lot and of fun. And you play as both in the real world and in the Upside Down. Yes. Yeah. And then, but also going along with the Nightmare theme, because apparently June is when we get all the Nightmare games, is the Stuff of Legends. Yes. Stuff of Legends is, uh, again, this is another deluxe big Kickstarter type game with a ton of minis in there. And the, basically, the Boogeyman, because this is the Boogeyman edition that we have, the Boogeyman has come and they're taking your child and you and all the rest, of, you're the stuffed teddy bear and all the rest of the animals that the little boy has in his room are on this quest to go and get the get your child back, get your kid back and keep him safe. And the minis are look amazing. The game is getting great uh, reviews. But the, the boogeyman on the front of the box, he's definitely a little creepypasta as well. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't know if you've noticed in there too, Solani... And uh, the girl who made the stars both came in. Those are two more Kickstarters because we're this, we've been getting Kickstarter stuff left and right. Um, and both of those Solani is based on um, Native American lore, specifically Navajo lore. Interesting. On how the stars came to be, and so it's a tile laying game about creating the constellations as part of the story of the game. And then the girl who made the stars is. Um, uh, an African version of African folklore of how the stars came to be as well. Um, so both of those are pretty new, and those are going to be some of those kind of games that I don't think you're going to see these in regular distribution. You're going to find them at Red Raccoon because we do a lot of Kickstarter stuff trying to always make sure we have the best board games, but I don't think you're going to see these games other places. So This isn't going to be something you can scoop up at Target someday. No. Yeah, no, we got we got a dozen copies of each of those, and once those are gone, they're probably gone for forever. So if somebody wanted to come and pick up a copy of those games, what Pokemon set is coming out this week that might pull them into <laughs> to wanting to check hey, out the store? I didn't say anything about Pokemon this time. You did. That uh, you can't keep on throwing that at me because I I didn't involve D and D either and I feel like no I get you some did par- you brought it in you oh, said D and D earlier dang I it, I say, did I didn't say a word about D and D this time here's what's gonna happen we're gonna have to do this Pee Wee's Playhouse style where like every time we say D and D or Pokemon before the proper segment <laughs> we gotta all scream about it <laughs> that's gonna be great editing let me tell you that'll be fun um but no so what's going on this week at the store. This is, you know what, we've got our regular everyday uh, stuff coming up, so all the the fun stuff that we do every night of the week is coming down the pipe, and then this upcoming weekend, 
the week is going to be kind of plain, right? The store, we're getting ready to move. We're moving storerooms. We're moving racks and stuff like that. No longer and buying Pokemon and Magic cards for the time being. We did put a suspension on buying card collections because we don't want them to get lost or ruined during the move. So uh, we did put a suspend on that. But this upcoming weekend, which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think it's the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, if I have my numbers right in my head, is the Cogs and Corset Steampunk Festival downtown. Oh, yes. So there's a ton of stuff going on. If you're not aware, if you're a fan of steampunk, if you just want to see what's going on um, as something cool to do in central Illinois that you're not going to see anywhere else, Cogs and Corset, it's mostly focusing on events that are going to happen in the museum or in the Center for Performing Arts. But there is going to be stuff going on in a lot of the various stores as well for Cogs and Corsets, a lot of specials. For instance, Ruben at Spiceworks is sponsoring a, a tea tasting thing You because Spiceworks has a ton of loose leaf teas um, that I enjoy a lot, especially in the wintertime because I'm not a coffee person. Um, and we're open late on Saturday night just for open gaming because um, across the street at the, the Bistro, there's a burlesque show, a steampunk-themed burlesque show, and it sells out every year. And then people are like, oh, we couldn't get in. And then people come over and they play board games. Um, so Cogs and Corsets is all weekend. You should look at their schedule of all the stuff that they're doing. Just, uh, it's always amazing and it gets bigger and bigger every year. So that's this weekend, the second, the third, and the fourth. And then the fifth is when we close the store down. We, we wanted to be open for Cogs and Corsets and support them. The fifth, we close the store down. We will not be open the fifth. We're going to try to be open for the ninth. The only way to know for sure is, um, watch Facebook and Instagram. That's going to be the only way that we really have to communicate. I'll probably, maybe I can send out an email newsletter like, yes, we're open. Um, everything revolves around, did we get our final inspections done? And mm. that could delay everything. There was a mad scramble right now because there's a couple pieces of the sprinkler system that we had to put in that the city wanted to cover a couple places that were like, we don't need anything over there. Well, the city disagreed. So we've got to get the sprinkler system finished before they will do the final inspections. And to get our certificate of occupancy, got to pass all those final inspections. So the life safety stuff, the elevator, the elevator's done. Oh, mostly done. The elevator's physically done. Okay, elevator's Mentally, worried. the elevator still has a lot of work. Well, yeah. Did I tell you what happened with the elevator? Of course you didn't. Please share. Okay. Um, so the elevator, all elevators have a call button in case there's a panic, right? Cause I don't know about you, but I have been stuck in an elevator before. Um, Kelly and I were in Toronto for a rotary convention and we were stuck for an hour in an elevator in a high rise hotel we were staying in pushing the call button. And then the whole thing where they have to pry open the doors and let you slide out. We did that. So call button has to go somewhere. So they're like, we need a phone line for the call button. So I reached out and I got a phone line set up in the building. It's there. I tested it. I ran the line all the way across the building from where it comes in at the D mark in the back corner. I ran everything through and I handed them and I said, here's your phone line, guys. Uh, it's tested. I, <laughs> I had an old uh, wall phone at home, so I took it off the wall to make sure the dial tone worked. Everything works. It's tested. You guys are good to go. Done hands brushing my hands off on this one and they're like what's this i said it's a phone line you guys told me you need a phone line they don't need it's a, what i gave them was a traditional 
POTS line, right? Plain mm-hmm. old telephone system, POTS line this, the, that we all grew up with. They're like, no, we need a voice over IP line. What the? This is stuff that would have been good to know months ago. So now I'm in the scramble, and they told me this on Wednesday, and every salesperson on the planet's checking out and heading off for a five-day weekend for, for, for Memorial Day. Oh, no. And nobody's calling me back. I'm trying to scramble. To, i got to get a voiceover IP line set up from somebody in order to um, have this phone line working. So if you at home have a voiceover system just laying around, please let Jamie know. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure this one out, and I'm hoping people on Tuesday are going to start calling me back. So we won't be able to use the elevator, but they told us we can get a certificate of temporary occupancy if we pass everything else. Um, so, and then the elevator, I'm still trying to figure out this voiceover IP line that okay. I found out about I needed on Wednesday. Perfect timing. This yeah. is what a move is. Yeah. All these discoveries. Fairly sure I signed a contract for that telephone line for a couple of years too and i'm like oh well it's not like i can turn it off and the elevators are forever so i'm gonna need a phone line yeah so now i gotta see if i can cancel that contract because i don't need a phone line what the hell am i gonna do with a regular phone line now because it, it's not the red raccoon phone number exactly it's a, it's a separate line you can't use it for your incoming out calling phone calls ah <laughs> yeah and with that bah this our is episode I, this is why i'm gonna have an ulcer before this is all said and done it's going to be a lovely store, Jamie. It's going to be a lovely store. I hope you guys like it. <laughs> and just, with just that... lie to me, tell me you like it, even if you don't, please. <laughs> and with that encouraging note, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank you for listening, uh, for joining us today. And if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with us, come and find us at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. Which, if you can just come and tell Jamie that this will make you happy. He would love to hear it. He, he's a very tall man. You will not be able to miss him. He'll yeah. be there. Uh, I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of her theme music and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. And if you like the game store owner perspective on all the stuff that we did, share us around. Share yeah. this. Tell other people. Put us on your, whatever your favorite forums and just say, hey, this podcast is different because we work at a game store, and that's kind of a different angle than most of their podcasts take. It's true. That's one of the reasons why whenever you know I came to Jamie with the idea of this podcast, the concept was we want to make sure that people understand it's not just – it's the local board game shop from behind. Like you, We still talk about board games because that's an important part of the job. And we love them. And we love them. That's why we love working there and never have time to play them. But at the same time – we do want to show you like the production story, being able to see that as a small you know company having to worry about Kickstarters. Are they going to come in? Like, am I going to lose money because they don't come through? Those are the type of things we love to talk to you guys about and hopefully give you conversation topics for these swarmy dinner parties that you're always going to. Yeah. So, uh, oh, with- and by the way, there is a Pokemon pre-release this weekend too <laughs> for Paldea Vault. That's <laughs> one of those isn't even a word anymore. Okay, fine. Until next time, keep playing.